Hey guys, Kevin from Hudson, New Hampshire. I am blind and I'm in my fifth year of fantasy football. I listen to you guys all the time, even throughout the summer. Just wanted to say hey, since you never answer my emails. Thanks guys, great job. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. And the Super Bowl is set. We've got a rematch of Super Bowl 39. Does anybody think the Eagles can win? Yes. Of course they can win. we got future star Nick Wentz at quarterback. I don't know how they're going to be beat. There you go. And we'd like to say hello to Kevin. Thank you for the voicemail, Kevin. Thank you for starting off our show with something new and something awesome. And we're sorry we never read your emails. But I just wanted to play that from Kevin because this is a new way for you to get in touch with us. We're going to listen to some voicemails today. We're going to save some for Thursday as well, our second show of the week. But welcome to the Monday show, January 22nd. One great game, one blowout yesterday. We'll talk about that. An off-season question for the Jaguars, an off-season question for the Vikings. Some head coaching news, but also, you know, we talked about 2017 busts last week. Let's talk about the 2017 breakouts and what went right. Everybody have a nice weekend. How you guys doing? Great. Yeah. Great. Yay. Loved the weekend. Loved the football games. Both of them were great games. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed nah, One of them was a ass-kicking. I, a good old ass-kicking every once in a while is okay. Oh gosh, what are you talking about? Half. It was a fun first half, I guess. Yeah, sure. Some good plays. Nick Foles played. I mean, you're you're so unsatisfied by football these days, Adam. It's amazing. What are you talking about? I'm supposed to be satisfied by the NFC Championship game? That was a satisfying game for you. Well, it I mean, is if you pick Philly. Yeah. The bar that you've set with the Super Bowl last year being boring. Uh, yeah, enough with that. The, because. Uh, like it's not. I'm not setting a high bar. Like the Jacksonville New England game was better than the Atlanta New England game. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. I will say good. no, but I mean the stakes weren't near as high. There were comebacks in both games, exciting plays in both games. Well, anyway, I'm glad you guys had a good weekend. I hope everybody enjoyed some football yesterday. Hope you had some good food with it. Hope you're ready to talk head coaches. Here's your conspiracy theory of the day. <laughs> Congratulations, Giants! You got a winner. <laughs> what? What are you? What is this? You're just trolling me today? No, it's not you that we're trolling. It's everybody who's a fan of the Giants. What's wrong with the Pat offensive Sherman? coordinator that got crushed last night is now the Giants head coach. Crushed in two games. And Jack Del Rio is going to be the defensive coordinator? Yay. It's a lot to be excited about, Big Blue. Well, I'm not thrilled about the defensive part, but Shermer has a great history with quarterbacks. I think it's good fantasy news. Uh, well, who's the I think, I think he's a transition coach. Well, according to Jay Glazer, it's Eli Manning next year. Right. That's what he said during the game yesterday. Oh, it'll be light, man. Should be good news for Evan Ingram, right? Sure. Be good news for Evan it'll be good for him. All right, we'll come back to the uh, Giants coaching news in a little bit. But conspiracy theory of the day from the, well, a lot of people reporting this, but I saw it in the AP. The Patriots' one penalty against the Jaguars is the fewest called on one team in a playoff game since the 2011 AFC Championship game when the Patriots were called for just one penalty in a win over Baltimore. Ooh, not a good look. I, I don't mean not a good look. That's excellent coaching by the Patriots. Bill Belichick, the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. Excellent discipline from the team. Like that, that's exactly what we want is I wish everybody played like the Patriots so we'd only have one penalty on each team every I, game. I'll tell you what. I wish we had more games like that Jacksonville New England game because it went by quick. Mm-hmm. It was fun. The rest didn't get in the way. There was one bad. There weren't penalty. a lot of challenges in the way. It, it, it was like, as far as time goes, it was perfect. And Jimmy, you said there was one bad penalty, but that was one they called that we wish they wouldn't have. There's not anything you saw that they should have called on New England. I mean, you can make a case, but it's the time of the game, the Deion Lewis run to the, you know, end the game essentially. That was probably a holding on the uh, left tackle there. Um, Mar- Mercedes Lewis had a couple plays that, you know, he probably got pass interference, should have been called. Um, they all seem to be mostly pro Jaguars, but. Do you agree that the pass interference calls on Jacksonville were egregious and necessary, given what happened on the plays? Like, they weren't ticky-tack. No, the one on the sideline, before, right after Gronk's penalty. That's the only one I think you can make a case was probably not pass interference, because it was uncatchable, because the ball's out of bounds. Yeah, I I didn't like that call. two guys fighting for the ball. Yeah, I I didn't like that call at all. 
But the I, other one was pass interference call. I didn't watch Ramsey the game. had him around the neck. I didn't watch the game and think, oh, the Jaguars are getting hosed here. So right. Yeah. No, but people are making a big stink about the ref laughing in the end zone when they were celebrating. I mean, that he's he's seeing something funny. I mean, it's hard yeah. not to laugh when you're seeing guys celebrate when it's good. And the one where the ref came up to him after the game and patted him up, patted Brady on the chest. I mean, right. Whatever. No, who knows how those, how much those guys know each other and how much they've talked throughout the course of the game. You know, every time Brady gets hit, he probably looks up at him and says something or makes a comment. Right. All right. So let's talk about that game. New England 24, Jacksonville 20. Do you have any fantasy thoughts, any fantasy takeaways from this game? Boy, we don't ever know who the good Jacksonville wide receiver is going to be, do we? <laughs> like, we, will, we will next year. Hopefully. Well, what happened on, fr- on Thursday or Friday show whenever we recorded? I said, Patriots struggle against slot receivers, so who does, who would that favor? Jamie said, I don't know, probably Alan Hearns or Keelan Cole. I said, nah, I don't want to start one of those guys. Of course, yep. Alan Hearns with six catches for 80 yards. So, so we will next but year. But that's as good as it got. Who, who will it be next year? I, it will probably be one of Lee or Robinson. <laughs> And then the two young guys of Cole and Westbrook. I cannot imagine they keep Alan Hearns at his price tag. They got a talented receiving core. I mean, it, it would help a quarterback. My offseason question for the Jaguars is, should Blake Bortles be drafted next season? My offseason, you know, fantasy question as we look ahead. Should Blake Bortles be drafted next season? He was the number 14 quarterback in fantasy. I know, you know, let's just assume he's back as the starting quarterback next year. Do you think Blake Bortles should be drafted in, in a 12-team fantasy league? Adam, I think we could go around the table and each of us name four quarterbacks, four different quarterbacks, each of us, that we'd rather have ahead of Blake Bortles. Four? I was being conservative. No, yeah, do five if you want. Fourteen. I can name you eighteen. No, no, no. I'm saying each of us naming a different quarterback. So we'd get so to five for so Heath, okay. five for yeah. Jamie, gotcha. five for me. Yeah, I, I bet he's a top 20 sense. quarterback for me next year, assuming they sign either Lee or Robinson. He's a top what? 20? Yeah. Top but 20. I don't, I, I There's can't. so many good he's quarterbacks. Not be, he won't be in my top 15. He'd be in that 15 to 20 range. Yeah. He's not going to be ranked where he finished. Okay. Yeah, he, had, you know, he had a five game stretch with 22 or more fantasy points in every game. He had a nine game stretch with 17 or more fantasy points in every game, except for week 11 at Cleveland with really windy conditions. It looked like he was maybe having a bit of a breakout, but he really did not finish strong. So, yeah, I don't. He's I don't never think... consistent, and you never feel comfortable with it, right? And, and Bortles only threw for thirty, about thirty-seven hundred yards, which is lower than the, each of the last two seasons. And I would assume, because they won their division, that their schedule is going to be much more difficult than it was this year. Yes, I don't know. Plus, which... you have better Texans team because they'll be healthy. Presumably, better Colts team because they'll be healthy, and the Titans will still be a force. It's going to be a very good division if everybody's healthy. Yeah. If you see that Deshaun Watson is facing the Jaguars in Week 16 next season, actually the schedule's out. Did, by did, are no, the dates opponent, out? The, opponents the, the are teams out. are out. Yeah, the teams are out. If you see that that Jacksonville is playing Houston in Week uh, 16, is that going to deter you from drafting Deshaun Watson? No, no. Okay. Um, for the Patriots, Deion Lewis has now caught five or more passes in five of his last six games. Rex Burkhead was basically uninvolved. That's what happens when you rip open Tom Brady's. Did he band. get hurt? I didn't see an injury. He barely played. That was expected, though. No, there was a report that he was going to be heavily involved. So you never what know. What do you mean? Come on. Well, I don't know. You don't know what to expect with these guys. And James White had six touches and a touchdown. I think last week he had eight touches and two touchdowns. But uh Oh, Amendola. We should talk about him because, Jamie, you were pretty high on Amendola, and he had a huge game, two touchdowns. Yep. I think uh I, I played him in all my DFS. I, I cashed in all those lineups. and. I think I locked up the playoff challenge that we're in because of Amendola. Um, I think I have an 80-point lead on you guys. And then, uh, yeah, he was great. Yeah, you but know, I have... You make a case that it was uh, Gronk-related, that he probably had the game that he had with the two touchdowns, but I think he would have probably been heavily involved in their comeback effort regardless. How about Brandon Cooks with 100 yards? That was I impressive. thought that was good. Yep. Yeah. And he would have had more if he didn't drop that pass. It was a... Yep. Uh, they had a couple bad drops. Deep in the first that half. he had, yeah. yeah. Yep. Gronk had a bad one too before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the fact that he was on Boye was was uh, Boye was on him. You know, kind of shows you that they didn't really worry about him as much as they did Gronk and uh, the game plan going in. Like, I, I think we should probably just take a moment because I don't know if we've mentioned it yet to talk about how awesome Tom Brady is still. Because there was that time <laughs> yes. at the end of the regular season where he started to look bad again, and now. I mean, he did what he did against the Titans, which was incredible. But to throw for 290 yards and two touchdowns against this defense with 
Gronk getting hurt and the Cooks drop and the Gronk drop over the middle. Like he's just incredible still. Mm -hmm. I I think one thing when you draft him next year is just realize, because this has kind of been the case for the last four or five seasons, you probably want to have somebody else at the end of the season as a fantasy quarterback because they lock up things so early and it's almost like they take their foot off the gas. And I think to his point, when he needs to play, he's still the best quarterback in football. Yeah, he is pretty incredible. And you mentioned Heath the the rough stretch at the end where he just wasn't putting up the fantasy totals. Well, his last two games, 31 fantasy points against Tennessee, 23 fantasy points against Jacksonville. Philadelphia 38 and Minnesota 7. Oh my goodness, Nick Foles, he was incredible. How about the touchdown pass to Alshon Jeffrey, the first one? Like, what awesome. a play. Man, he better throw is the one to Torrey Smith. Yeah, that was incredible <laughs> too. That was, he was outstanding. He was great. Uh, fantasy takeaways from this game, guys? Uh, Jeff Hosteller and Phil Sims all over again. <laughs> I guess so. What about? It is? No. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> what about for the Vikings? Anything for the Vikings? There, I don't think there's anything great to talk about with Minnesota. I love Jerick McKinnon's usage. I love that they were throwing short to him. He had 11 catches. Where the hell was this during the regular season? They could have done a lot more than that. Maybe it's because they were trailing in this game. And I think a lot it's only the, the third they time they've been trailing all season. Case Keenum came back to earth, man. I, I thought he really was playing great heading into trailing this game. Trailing by 10, maybe? What? Trailing by 10 points, maybe, all season? Maybe. Third time? Maybe that's why Case Keenum was... uh so rough, but Philadelphia got in his face and that defense really played great and Philadelphia's offense put him in a huge hole. And I just don't think Case Keenum had anything good going for him after that one touch of the touchdown to Rudolph was awesome, but he was throwing off his back foot a bunch. He was, he was just totally flummoxed by the um, pass to, to tie in Shermer to the Giants. He apparently is really great at scripting plays. And so his opening drives, I guess are always going to be, you know, good. Maybe not to the level of what they were against the Eagles, but he's he's good at getting a game plan together. He's reportedly not so good at making adjustments throughout the course of the game. Um, it's just so funny though how you know things turn early in a game, and if they don't throw that pick six, mm-hmm. they may drive. You know who knows how that drive finishes finishes out. They're up ten, they're up fourteen. I mean I don't think they're going to win the game, but it certainly changed the dynamic of how the game was played. And the same thing happened to the Eagles in the in the Falcons game. Remember when the ball bounced off of what's his name's knee? Um, and it ends up in the Nelson Aguilar. They they get a field goal out of it at the end of the first half. Yeah. In the game against the Falcons. Yeah, it was big. And then the Falcons have to score a touchdown at the end instead of kicking a field goal to win that game. They would have been uh, tra- chasing two points as opposed to chasing five. And I I I think Philadelphia won this game when they had ten points in the last minute nine in the first half. Yeah, the end of their first half compared to the end of the Jaguars' first half is just night and day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How to approach things. Right. You got to go for it. Yep. Yeah. They yeah. Did McKinnon, a great job. McKinnon in his last game in Minnesota was great. We'll see. I mean, look, Tavius, they couldn't run the ball. Tavius wasn't doing anything, and I, I never really felt like they trusted Keenum that much because they, they ran the ball so much without having that good of a running game after Cook went out. And, yeah, Keenum, they, you're right, Dave. I mean, they were in his face. I thought Philadelphia at the line of scrimmage on both ends just completely dominated that game. The, For the sure. Can sack, they do it again, though? The sack fumble. Yeah, they can do it again. I mean— I think they can. The Patriots have won five Super Bowls. They have won those Super Bowls by three, 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 four, and six points in overtime. So they always play close games. They always, it's strange. They always play close games. And the other two games that they lost were close games too. Every Belichick Brady Super Bowl has been a close game, which is awesome, which I hope we get another one. It's just kind of surprising because I'm sure there were at least, at least one or two of those seven where a lot of people thought they were going to win big and they never ever have. Well, this is the largest spread since the Cardinal Steelers. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like well, which I don't six. understand. The thing that worries me about the Eagles is that their defense has benefited so much from playing at home. They've been a lot like the Chiefs yep. were this year, where they are just incredible at home and pretty awful on the road. They they held I think one team, maybe two teams all year under twenty four points on the road, and they were just dominant at home. So this won't be a road game, but they aren't going to have the benefit of that home crowd either. Okay, here's my off-season question for Minnesota. Are you worried about their offense without coordinator Pat Shermer? Does it does it take a Falcons-like step back? I don't think he's that good that he's not replaceable. Yeah, I'm I'm more I, I'm not wouldn't say worried. I'm curious because I don't know for sure who their quarterback's going to be. That's I don't the know biggest for mm-hmm. sure who their offensive. Like I don't know what type of system they're planning on running. 
they have so many weapons in Dalvin Cook and Diggs and Thielen and Rudolph that I don't think they'll be bad, but I don't necessarily know who somebody's going to benefit and someone's going to lose over the next couple of months of figuring out who the quarterback and who the offensive coordinator is. Okay. And who who do you guys think the quarterback will be? I, I would guess Keenum. I, I would lean, lean Bridgewater. I would lean Bridgewater too. I don't think Keenum stays. I think Bridgewater is their most cost effective option. They could get him and draft another guy. Yeah, that's I, I would think that's the route that they go. Or do you think Bradford settles for a decent price? I think there's gonna be a lot of a lot of quarterbacks, whether the guys that they have in their building or whoever may become available that would like to play there because you play in a in a dome. You play with a great defense. Like you said, you have great weapons there. So it's in a very attractive situation. The coach is good. You know, in terms of Zimmer, whoever the offensive coordinator may be is going to determine that. But it's it's a very favorable scenario if you're just looking at it from Kirk Cousins, Alex Smith, you know, the the probably the two headliners of the available quarterbacks if they in fact are available. Keenum, I'm sure, would love to stay. You know, if he can get the right deal in place, I'm sure Bradford would love to stay. So none of their quarterbacks are actually under contract. No, no they're, all they're all not available even to leave. Yeah. Which leads me to this very interesting question. You have to pick one. Do you give $15 million a year to Case Keenum, $15 million a year to Sam Bradford, or do you trade a second-round pick to the Eagles for Nick Foles? None of the above. I'd I, try to trade second-round pick for Alex Smith. I'm yep. not interested at all in Nick Foles. I think yeah. Alex Smith is the – like if you, cause I think there's a chance you'll be able to get Alex Smith for a third-round pick. Uh, yeah, that's even, it. I would even think uh, a someone would go higher than that. It's, I, I think a second. The, the Chiefs is, are in the bad exactly. spot that everybody, everybody knows, knows they yep. want to trade him. Mm-hmm. They have no right, leverage, which is why someone's going to. Plus, stop you have to play. take on twenty million dollars a year, and you have to. A lot of work teams con- have that cap space, or though. you have to they work out a contract that. with him. Plus, he's not young. But right. wait, what? What? But everybody knew the Patriots had to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, and they still got a second round pick out of him. Yeah, but I mean, depending on what side of the, the equation you're on, if was this something that they did as fight? Arizona has no quarterback. Cleveland's going to want to upgrade a quarterback. The Jets might not have a quarterback. There are going to be so many teams that are desperate but for a guy, and all, Alex Smith is going to be the best. A one. lot of those, most of the other teams you talked about were bad and are going to have a draft pick where they can get their choice almost of the rookie quarterback to draft. The Vikings are the end of the Alex Smith out. will be 34 in May, and as of now, he's due. It's like 16 million. He is due 14.5 million with a $2 million roster bonus. Okay, so here's a fantasy question. If it's one of the three quarterbacks currently on the Vikings roster next year, is that guy a top 15 quarterback on draft day? No, no. chance. I, no. I'm not so sure about that. Top I think there's a chance the top 15 fantasy? quarterback next year finishes there, but I'm not drafting any of them. Yeah, no I way. might take Bortles ahead of whoever. No, I, that's, that was going to be my next question. I, I, I like the situation they're walking into. They're walking into a great situation, and we've seen them be good. Keenum had a good year. Bradford started out great. He was looking great. I don't know about Bridgewater, but... I, I think it's a, I think it's a great, like you said, it's a great situation to walk into. They're really 15 quarterback. I don't know who, off the top yeah. of my head, do you have rankings? There Who's are. 15? Okay, well, give the, the same offensive system. Eli Manning's gonna have great players around him. Nobody's yeah. drafting him as a top 15. I, I'd probably take the Vikings guy over Eli. I, I'm not saying that though, but it's the same situation. Eli's walking into a great scenario. He's got Ingram, he's got Shepard, he's got Beckham, he's got the same coach. Could easily uh, be Alex a top Smith 15 guy. If Alex Smith goes there, he's a top 15 guy. Who? If Kirk Cousins goes, Alex Smith. Uh-huh. If Kirk Cousins goes there, he's a top 10 guy. Yeah. Yep. Um, the other guys, no. Not okay. for me. Okay. Well, I mean, top fifteen isn't that good. You know, There's so, Adam. There are so many good quarterbacks. I don't have. I, I don't even find Dak Prescott in my top fifteen next year. I doubt it. Yeah, yeah, he's in mine. Yeah, I know. We we thought that we thought there were like eighteen good quarterbacks going into the season, and it just didn't end up that way at all. There were. It was just the bottom six were different guys. Well, yeah. Okay. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> oh, the middle six. <laughs> sure. Sure. But we thought Eli Manning and Carson Palmer were good, like late round fallback options to be like starters or one of two quarterbacks on your team that you could stream, and neither neither of that played out. Sure, but you had Goff, you had Wentz, you had. And if I asked you this time next year, do you think Goff and Wentz are top fifteen quarterbacks? You would have laughed at me. So that's, that's all I'm saying. Like these guys are no, walking into good situations. Well, I think he's answered that though. He said, "Could they finish as top 15 quarterbacks?" Yes. No. Your question was, "Would you draft them?" No. I think there's a case to be made because they're going to have some of the best weapons in football. And not only that, they played like top 15 quarterbacks. When you know, when Keenum got the, when 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 Bradford was finally forget it. Let's uh let's move on. Let's move on. Talk about the head coaches after I tell you about how you can get to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl tickets are expensive, but 
Take 20 bucks off with SeatGeek. That's not going to get you much at the Super Bowl. But you go to a game for 40 or 50 bucks or even 100 bucks, you take 20 bucks off. That's a pretty big deal. You can do that on the SeatGeek app with our promo code FFT. And SeatGeek is your smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. You want a last-minute deal. You're planning a night out. You want a perfect gift for someone. You go on SeatGeek. You search for an event. You use the promo code FFT at checkout, and you get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. So SeatGeek saves you time and money. It searches multiple ticket sites, compares prices, finds the great deals, gives you the bang for your buck by grading every ticket. There you go. You look at the tickets. You get a grade on all of them. You see which ones are the best value. It's so easy to use, and it's a really cool feature, and you don't have to look at multiple websites anymore. SeatGeek's going to do it for you. So download the SeatGeek app. Use that promo code FFT, promo code FFT for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Guess who is now a head coach and caught a touchdown for the Patriots in the Super Bowl when they beat Philadelphia 24-21? Vrabel. Mike Vrabel. Caught a two-yard touchdown in Super Bowl 39. He is the Titans head coach. Shermer is the Giants head coach. Doesn't sound like you guys are too happy about Shermer going to the Giants. Well, uh, just the fact that Minnesota laid an egg against a division rival of the Giants yesterday, that just makes it all the more frustrating. Their last two offensive performances have been pretty dismal. I, I don't. I think you're being a little bit too critical of how they did against the Saints. They were good against the Saints offensively. Uh, they weren't that good, but they like, a good half. You look at just the overall season that the Vikings had offensively. They lost Alvin Cook and they played Case Keenum for most of the year. Oh, he he does he, he deserves the job. He earned the job. I yeah. just don't know if he's he's just not coming off of two very good performances. No, that's, that's 100 percent true. Right, it's going to be a hard sell to the fan base. Uh, and then what about Vrabel? Well, do we know who the offensive coordinator will be in Tennessee? Not yet, not yet. Okay. So and I, I, I like, I like, I like Vrabel as a head coach. I think he's going to be a good leader for them. I just don't know if he really earned it. Vrabel? Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he was a member of the Patriots. So. That's why if, he got if, it. If you played for the Patriots, if you coach for the Patriots, if you know somebody on the Patriots, you're going to get a head coaching <laughs> yeah. job this year. Do you know that the, their linebackers coach is the finalist for the job in Arizona? Yes. Oh, it's wow. really incredible. Well, it's silly, I think. I mean, it's, I don't really get the Patricia thing. Like, I don't, I just don't think he's done. He has not done what most coordinators do. My personal opinion to get a head coaching job. He has not had dominant defensive units. They're very good at keeping points off the board, but I just, I don't know, man. Like, I, is that kind of the case with Shermer on the offense side of things? He's kind I of been good, know. but he hasn't really done a lot of great things. He's been really good, but he has head coaching experience. Uh, with a 300 winning percentage. Yeah, can with I, the Browns. Can I point Browns out one thing count. to you, though? Yeah. The Patriots rank fifth. They did this season in points allowed per game, 18.5. Mm-hmm. You know where the Texans ranked in points allowed per game? Nowhere. Dead last. <laughs> 27.2. Yeah, I just, yeah, but I mean, he, he I know. They lost Watt players. and Merciless and all those guys. Yeah. Still gave up a ton of points. The, Even th- Cleveland the, thing, the thing you gotta look at the Patriots that. defensive stats is look from week five on. From week five on, they were amazing. Yeah, they were. Now, um, you know, and another thing to keep in mind is Pete Prisco, right? Like he used to, he used to criticize Jay Gruden as the Bengals offensive coordinator, like every single Sunday. And then he got hired as the Redskins head coach, and it was like, look, just because I didn't like him as a coordinator doesn't mean I won't like him as a head coach. The jobs are different. So you don't know how it's gonna translate. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, Le'Veon Bell showed up late before last week's playoff game. Do we really think he's gonna be a Steeler next year? I'm starting to think no. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm starting to think that they're just gonna say, you're a headache, we don't wanna deal with you, well, we've gotten a lot out of you. It'd be dumb to give him the contract he wants. I agree. He's not getting the contract he wants. We'll get the franchise tag again. And you think he's just actually not going to sit out like he says he is? He may sit out six games. He's not going to sit out where he loses the season. Right. Agreed. But, okay. And Robbie Anderson was arrested. So keep an eye on that. Not a lot of news yeah, if going you want, on. If you want something fun, go go uh, Google what he said to the cop. That's fun. Oh, no. that's awful what he said. Yeah, that's – I mean, he could get suspended for that. But that's true. Second arrest. Yeah. Something to keep in mind for Robbie Anderson. All right, it's time to uh time to get into some voicemails, guys. Let's see how this works. 
kind of an experiment here. And the number is 954-689-3199. Some of the voicemails I wasn't able to use uh, because the audio quality wasn't very good. I'm only going to use one or two today, I think. But Thursday we'll, we'll unleash a little bit, a few more. Definitely not going to get to all of them, just like emails. And we're not going to neglect the emails either. So please email us, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. But last week we talked about A.J. Green as a bust and what happened. And we, you know, very mild bust. Still finished around 10th at wide receiver. But we offered some explanations what happened. Ben from Massachusetts left us a voicemail. And here's what Ben had to say. I already gave away his name. Sorry. So, Ben, thank you for reiterating. Here we go. Hey guys, this is Ben from Springfield, Massachusetts. Great show, awesome. Love listening to you guys. You missed on A.J. Green, though. The big problem with A.J. Green was Whitmore, the loss of a supremely awesome pass-blocking offensive tackle, and now we know why these guys are paid so well. Take care, guys. Good good phone call. Good phone call. It's a good point, and it's always overlooked. And the fact that Whitworth left Cincinnati... Wasn't replaced well. That hurt Dalton. Obviously, that hurts the pass catchers there. And what happened in L.A. where where he went? Goff had a little extra time to throw. Robert Woods had a career year. You can say that that's the reason why. I think that's part of the reason why. I think just all the issues with their offense and changing coordinators, not being able to run consistently, I, I think they're all factors. But at the end of the day, this guy didn't get as many targets as anybody would like. And he certainly didn't score as many touchdowns as everybody would have liked. And another voicemail I want to play, this one's a little bit different. So this was about two and a half minutes of a song in Spanish that somebody was just playing off the radio. So I just took like the last 10 seconds or so and just just have a listen at uh, at this one. That was it. The guy made me listen for about two and a half minutes and then finished with, Azer, you suck. You listened for two and a half minutes. No, I fast forwarded. I fast forwarded. Okay. But yeah, I was like, there's gotta be a payoff, right? And sure enough, it was Azer, you suck. So we can make that a drop if we want. I could just edit out the Azer, you suck. All right. Let's get into 2017 breakouts. Uh, Todd Gurley, I would say he was a breakout, most valuable player in fantasy. Number one running back in both formats. Actually, not that much better than Le'Veon Bell in PPR. And he also scored fewer fantasy points than David Johnson did in 2016. However, that was with sitting out the final game of the season. Regardless, Gurley was great. What's uh, what's your opinion on it? What went right? How did this happen? You know, what could we see from the Todd Gurley case that we might be able to apply next year? Jeff, start. Better coach, Jeff better Fisher quarterback. <laughs> we all went right to the same place. That's the coach. Yeah. Better coach, better quarterback, better O-line. All yep. those were improvements, and just the opportunities were up, too. Matters. All those catches. He didn't get catches like that with Jeff Fisher. No, he did not. No. He had so 64. creative, creative usage, lots of usage, lots of opportunities at the goal line, lots of fantasy points. It, it, it sounds simple, doesn't it? Yeah. Like you would expect it to be a lot more um, complex to break down, but it's pretty simple. Like how to have a good running back in fantasy, kind of just laid it out there. I know people think I'm the yards per carry police, uh, but I mean, Gurley is just a really interesting case. His yards per carry in three seasons, 4.8, 3.2, and 4.7. And, and also there was about a 20-game I think even a little bit more than that. You know, it was like four good games at the beginning of his rookie year. And that was pretty much it. A season and a half of being bad. And I don't know. Did it make you question how good Todd Gurley was? The fact that he he had those four awesome games. And then he went like 20 straight games without 100 yards or something like that. uh, Did it make you question the talent at all? No. Not really, no. I did. I think I did a little bit too. Just 3.2 mm-hmm. yards per carry is is stunning. I it's like that is I don't care how bad your offensive line, your coach and your passing game is. That's really alarming. But I guess lesson learned. <laughs> it wasn't alarming <laughs> because he was incredible the next year. But, all right, so Todd Gurley, there you go. That's an easy one. Couple of Eagles were breakouts. Carson Wentz was a breakout. He finished as the what number. About Jared Goff. 
Yeah, I mean, there are a lot. I, I left some off. You know, we don't have time for everybody. You can talk about golf if you'd like. But uh, I have Wentz and Ertz as, as a new coach up. and a new offensive line. <laughs> and a better running better. game. And receivers. Yeah. Well, as far as the Eagles go, Carson Wentz, Zach Ertz. Now, I'll say this about Ertz. Statistically, it looks almost identical. He's had 74 to 78 catches three straight years. He's had 816 to 853 yards three straight years. He's had 106 to 112 targets three straight years. So you could say the only thing that changed were the targets. Or were the touchdowns, because he had eight this year. I completely disagree. I think if you take away the two games in which he got hurt. Oh, no, he got got hurt in one game and he barely played in Week 17. You see a legit breakout where he was a stud every single week except for one. Um, So that's my take on it. I think it it was a legit breakout. It was not just he scored more touchdowns. Uh, but what's your take on Wentz and Ertz? I thought Zach Ertz was one of the best tight ends in football coming into last year. I don't think there was a whole lot different other than the touchdowns. Um, but the touchdowns are king in fantasy, so it was awesome to see. Um, but like he's not, he missed a couple games last year. He missed a couple games in 2016. He missed one game in 2015. That's kind of what happens with most tight ends. They don't play 16 games. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't bother me too much either. I expect about the same thing for him next year. Maybe the touchdowns go down to six or seven. He had a great four-game stretch in 2015. He had a great nine-game stretch in 2016. He's just been progressing toward this, and so his quarterback's getting better too. Yeah, but and, I mean, you, but let's like dive into the to the game log for Zach Ertz. Okay, his first eight or nine weeks, he scored eight or nine fantasy points. The first eight games, he had eight or more fantasy points in every game, and then then he started getting hurt. He played one game. He had two catches for eight yards on five targets after coming back from an injury. He left the game early. He missed week 17. If you just take like, all right, so this is the rosiest scenario. This is, I, I admit, the best case scenario, not the realistic. But you take, he played 14 games, Zach Ertz. Take away week 13 when he got hurt. Take away week 17, he played 14 snaps. I actually think that's pretty fair. Now you give him a 12-game sample size. He's the number one tight end in fantasy. Better than Gronk. He's better than Kelsey. If well, you do that, he averaged just over 10 fantasy points per game. That's Gronk territory. Yeah. Yeah. He was, I just think yeah, if you do that and want to con- then compare him to the other tight ends, then you have to take away Travis Kelsey's worst two or three games and Gronk's worst two or no, three games. But it sure. wasn't just Kelsey had a catchless game. It wasn't just as he had a bad game because I didn't take away a bad game for Zach Ertz. I took away the game in which he got hurt and week 17. Now you have to take away week 17 for Kelsey. And what did Gronk do? Oh, Gronk played, but he had nothing in Week 17. But there was a bad game for Zach Ertz that I didn't take away that he played in. I'm just talking about the one in which he got hurt and the one in which he barely played in Week 17 when they sat the starters after about a quarter. I, I just think it was much different than the previous two years. It wasn't just touchdowns. It was consistently outstanding production for Zach Ertz. He he if he didn't have that the didn't get dinged up midway through the season, he would have had over a thousand yards. Would have had a monster monster year. But he's been dinged up each of the last three years. All right, most well, tight ends fair. are. Okay, that's a fair point. But he's a top three tight end. I mean, yeah. it's going to come down to you know your choice of do you want to take Gronk probably in the second round? Do you want to take Ertz or Kelsey in that end of two, beginning of three, maybe round four range? You know, depending on how far they slip. Ertz is most likely going to be the third one drafted, yeah. just because of mm-hmm. what the perception is of Gronk and Kelsey at this point. But they're going to be the top three guys drafted. See, I'm ready to really consider Ertz over Kelsey if Alex Smith is not the quarterback. That's a fair point. And I think that's something that people will consider if, if they don't think Patrick Mahomes can continue to feature Travis Kelsey the way that Alex Smith did. Yeah, I just, I would have a hard time taking Ertz on the rosy scenario of look, he could have been a thousand yard tight end over a tight end that's given us over a thousand yards each of the last two years. Wouldn't you just feel more comfortable taking who's ever left of those three? No, Gronk's going to be the first one. It depends. But if it's round three and you're up and are Kelsey, Kelsey slash Ertz, one of those guys is gone, you just take the other. If Kelsey and Ertz are going back to back in the third, I'd much rather have Kelsey. If Kelsey's an early third and Ertz is a early fourth, then yeah, Ertz is a better choice. Okay. So how about Wentz, guys? Uh, what did you make of Wentz's breakout season? And if there were any signs that, that he could have this type of season from his rookie year? Well, I mean, when he had Lane Johnson, he was fantastic last year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, if you just look at offensive line play, 
that's that's a big plus for him. That's what helped Nick Foles on Sunday. And it's one of the best offensive lines in football. And it they're going to have to replace their left tackle unless they're really happy with what they're getting out of uh is it Vitae at left tackle now with Peters out? You mean replace who? Peters got hurt. Right, but Peters will be back next year. Will he? I would assume so. I would uh, listen for Philadelphia's sake. I hope so, but I'm not so sure he will be. And if he's not, then they've got to make sure. You're saying it won't be because they're going to move on from him, or because of his injury? I I think the injury is severe. Well, look, they've had a a big sample size without him this year, and unlike and they, 2016, yeah, sure. and Wentz did okay. They were able to recover. In 2016, they lose Lane Johnson, and 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 they were really good. He played five games, I think, with Lane Johnson. They were four and one, and uh, and Wentz was good. This year, it didn't matter. You took away his left tackle, and Peters went out, and he still played really well. So that that was encouraging. Yeah. Does he, does he continue this pace with his touchdowns? No. Because he had 33 in however many games he had. Right. He had seven games with less than 250 yards passing. Mm-hmm. So the touchdowns were just enormous. Uh, five of those with less than 230 yards passing. Like – for this one, I, I, you're going to have a hard time predicting which guys are going to have a career touchdown rate when they're not really throwing for that many more yards than they were in the first place. Now, I will say that I think his schedule could end up being really good because you look at the defenses in its division. We'll see what the Giants turn into, but I think Washington and, and Dallas have a ways to go to slow him down. They play the AFC South. That's bad. It does mean a game against Jacksonville. That's going to be tough, and Houston could be back. But we'll see what happens with Indianapolis and Tennessee. They've got the NFC South. Not Carolina's defense is great. We'll see what Atlanta does. Secondary's not great, though. And then you've got the Rams, and you've got the Vikings. It's I think, not, I think the thing it's about, not going to be a, a death slate. No, I think the thing about Wentz is you have to just assume he's going to continue to progress as a quarterback. You know, So the things that you saw him do as a rookie – he improved in his second season. They added weapons to the offense. They gave him Alshon Jeffrey. They gave him Torrey Smith. You know, Nelson Aguilar and Zach Ertz get better. Offensive line play got better. They give him more, you know, players out of the backfield, you know, trying to draft Pumphrey and, you know, bringing in JHI in the middle of the season. So th- this is not a team that's going to stop adding to this, his weaponry. And I think he just continues to progress as well. So, I mean, I, I, I look at him as a top five fantasy quarterback next year. There's also the teeny tiny issue of his ACL. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously if he there there's probably going to be it's unlikely he'll be ready for the start of training camp. I don't think it's unlikely. How long does it take a quarterback to come back from an ACL injury? Depends who it is. Philip Rivers played the week later. <laughs> I did think he, it's unlikely. Did Rivers miss any of training camp that year? Nope. He's going to miss the OT. He's going to miss OTAs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to yeah, miss yeah. everything I don't up care about to that. the start of camp. Let me know what happens in July. The sooner he gets back, obviously, the better. This isn't Cam or certainly Luck with their shoulders, and we have to keep an eye on this. Right. If these guys, you know, it's the same thing with Deshaun Watson. As long as they're ready by the start of, like Dave said, by July, you'll be fine drafting them. However you want to rank them. If you think that they're top 10, top 5, maybe not as much. Adam's going to take Case Keenum and Blake Bortles over them, but uh-huh. that's certainly understandable. Um, you know, you just have to look at where they're, where they're at and how you feel that they're going to progress. If you believe, you know, like Heath does, like there's going to be some regression. Which certainly can happen. Then you're going to stay away from Wentz. Probably what his ADP is going to be, or, or if you think that there's still more to come for him, you you could draft him probably in that. My guess is if he's right, he'll be round five to seven based on ADP. Probably in you know our drafts, seven to nine, that range. And and let's let's be honest. I mean, we're seeing now that he's in a great system. You know, he's got the coach that yes. you want. It's a great system. It's a great scenario for a quarterback to step into. Uh, so that's good. I, I do think though, in terms of the ACL, I mean, it's, no, it's not a shoulder injury, but this is a guy who's probably gonna run for about 350 yards a year. So you wanna make sure he still has that ability. It's a pretty big part of Carson Wentz's game, his mobility. Not just his rushing yards, but his mobility in the pocket. Very important for him. Uh, Mark Ingram, I would say, had a breakout, guys. He was the number six running back in fantasy, in both, uh, standard and PPR. He set a career high in carries, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, catches, targets, and receiving yards. And now Ingram has played 16 games in two straight seasons, and he had the injury-prone label on before that for sure. So, yeah, Mark Ingram had a, a breakout. He, it was it was a very interesting year for him. What would you make of Mark Ingram's big, big season as the number six running back in fantasy? Let's sign Adrian Peterson again. <laughs> that was smart. 
Well, what you make they of sold it? a decent amount of jerseys. Um, like, it, I feel weird about the whole Mark Ingram thing because he has been awesome for three years now. He got 25 more carries and caught 12 more passes than he did the year before. But other than that, he was awesome the year before. He ran for 5.1 yards per carry. He caught 46 passes, scored double-digit touchdowns. Mark Ingram is an elite running back. Ooh. Next year's going to be so curious, though, with them. Yeah. Because in the playoffs, they really started to turn to Camaro. The two games. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. sure Mark Ingram will be a value again. Mark Ingram seeming, seemingly is almost always a value. Well, where do you take him next year? The guy who finished number six. How could he be a value? Where do you think he'll go? And where, as where as of now, him? I would take him second round. Yes, I would take him second round, and I would guess his ADP will be third round, maybe into the third. I don't think it'll be that low. I think he'll he'll be picked no later than like 27th overall. Like he might slip in a few leagues to round three, but I think people who are just dead set on getting two running backs to start their draft, and I think there's going to be a lot of people who do that. I think they'll look at Mark Ingram as as a good option as that second guy. And so they can get a stud running back early in round one, and then Ingram just kind of falls into their lap right around 20th overall. Okay. All right, let's uh, move on from Mark Ingram. Marvin Jones. That might be what the Saints do. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Marvin Jones was a breakout. He finished as the number four wide receiver in standard. And num- number 11 in PPR. He's only had 61 catches. Uh, but Marvin Jones... Yeah, 61 catches, 1,101 yards, and nine touchdowns. He only had 107 targets. It wasn't that great of a year, but it wasn't that great of a year for uh, for wide receivers in general. Now, you give his fantasy point total for Marvin Jones for 2017 and put it on the 2016 wide receiver class, which was much better, uh, just the way they finished, or the way the fantasy points shook out. He would have been number nine in standard, number 16 in PPR, so still really good. Uh, but what did you make of Marvin Jones? And I guess the question for him is, can he take the next step and put up even better numbers next year, really establish himself as the clear-cut, number one, awesome guy in Detroit? I'm going to say he that's falls possible, short. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. I think I think this is his ceiling, which is good. 1,100 yards, and hopefully, you know, he had nine touchdowns. That's a lot. Yeah, seven I mean, or if eight. you're going to say, is he going to progress or regress, I would say regress, but I don't think dramatically. What do you think the number one thing this offense is going to want to do this offseason, oh, especially get after getting a defensive-minded yeah. coach? They're going to run the ball. I mean, they've been trying to run the ball for three years. Right. They failed. So now they're going to try and get that job done with either a great rookie draft pick or they make a move somewhere along the way. It could mean fewer pass attempts for Stafford, fewer targets for everybody in this passing game. I, I don't see Marvin Jones being anywhere near as good. I would expect his targets to be about the same. I don't think he's going to go targets? down okay. from 107 targets. I, I don't know that a, a better rush, rushing game wouldn't, would hurt the passing game. So I just think that they have the worst running game in the NFL. It would only help their offense. You know, like you could, Jared Goff put up much better numbers with a much better running game. Sure. Time of possession would be in their favor. Right. First down. It would certainly help things, but. Move the ball. I think the nine touchdowns is where that's the thing I have the mm-hmm. problem with. Yeah. Yeah. I have a problem with 18.1 yards. Uh, uh, that, that as well. I, I think if he gets 107 targets, he'll probably be about 60 catches again. He probably is closer to 900 yards and he's probably closer to seven touchdowns. Okay. That's Marvin Jones. Heath Tyreek Hill had a breakout. Very similar to Marvin Jones. He's a lot better in, in uh, standard than PPR. He was the number five wide receiver in standard just behind Jones, but he was ahead of Marvin Jones. In PPR, uh, at number eight, Tyree Kill with his breakout, finishing as a top eight receiver. Does that surprise you that he finished this high? It surprises, I mean, none of us ranked him to be a top eight receiver, so yes, it surprises me. Now, I, you look at what he did in terms of a stat line, I think that was well within the range of possibilities. I don't think we expected 75 for 1107 touchdowns to be a top eight receiver. Right, right. So that might be part of it. Um, it's going to be really interesting because all of the information that you look at in terms of how much separation wide receivers get and just in terms of his general speed shows that he's pretty close to being uncoverable on deep routes. And Patrick Mahomes is a much better deep ball passer than Alex Smith. He finished top 10 in standard, half PPR, full point PPR, and top five in consistency last year. Yeah. You so, wouldn't think that just by looking mm. at his numbers, because he only had seven games with 10 or more fantasy points. But I think that just speaks to how last year was a down year right. for wideouts. I mean, he's a clear number one wide receiver. 
the only thing that would worry me about Tyreek Hill going into next year is the chance that maybe Patrick Mahomes is just bad as a rookie. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't really think that's going to happen. I just want to, I'd like to see him get more targets. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I, you'd I like to see I, Kareem Hunt get more carries and you'd like to see Tyreek Hill get yeah, more targets. And I, I just don't see that in this offense that him going, like he'll get more, but I don't see him going from 105 to 150. No, like I what, think he's a low end number one. Like what you'd like to see him is get to the 125 range because based on what he's able to do with that. Which he sat out a game last year. So 105, he's really on pace for 116 last year. True. Fair. Or, or 114, 113. And you factor, I mean, they are putting the ball in his hands. So 17 carries is, you know, basically 125. So Hill also missed a game. Let's not forget that. He sat week 17. <laughs> Don't forget about that. <laughs> I, I didn't forget that. That's why I just said it. You just said that? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was yeah. looking, I was looking up his. Pull the Dave. You didn't listen. <laughs> I was looking up. Hey, you know, you do that too He's sometimes. Cut out some slack. Sometimes that happens to me. I'm looking, you're looking to, up something. You listen yeah. to a voicemail. I'm looking up uh, his game log. For two minutes. Somebody was singing to him. It was pretty surprising just, that he finished top five in consistency. I thought that really the, shocked the me. The other thing that worries me about him, and I will look this up while we're talking about somebody else and come back to it, but I, it's really rare, I think, for somebody to catch 70% of their targets and average 15.8 yards per reception. That's true. I don't know that that's sustainable. Okay. A lot of those targets were short targets, though. Yeah, it's I mean, not like but, but, then, that's, but that's why he wouldn't average 15.8 if a lot of them were short targets. Because for every four catches he gets that go eight yards, he's got one that goes 57 yards. That Like, if he continues to do that, then he's going to be a top six or seven. I don't think there's any in-between. I think that's how he has to keep doing it. This is not going to be a guy who makes his living on 12- and 15-yard routes. Well, let's see. He had... A 75-yard catch, a 64-yard catch, a 56-yard catch, a 79-yard catch, a 44-yard catch, a 64-yard catch, a 52-yard catch. So he's pretty good at getting uh 30-plus yard receptions. He is, but that's kind of tough to repeat. Did he do that last year or in 2016 as well? He I averaged remember... like nine yards per reception as a rookie, didn't he? It's hard. It's hard to, it's it's hard to say really... he didn't have any deep ball right. receptions last two years ago. Yeah, but it, it's not hard. As many. I just remember Victor Cruz in his breakout season, and he had a whole bunch of really long receptions, and I was like, I just don't know how he can do that again. It's not an easy thing to do. But but Hill is a pretty unique talent. If there's one guy in the NFL that can do it, it's probably him, right? I mean, he's wouldn't you say, Heath, that Tyreek Hill is, if not the best, among the best deep ball guys in the NFL? Or big play yeah, I guys? Say he's, I would say he's the best right now. Yeah. All right, and finally, Adam Thielen. Uh, number 14 in standard, number 8 in PPR. This would qualify as a breakout. He had more catches than Tyreek Hill. He had more yards than Tyreek Hill, but he only had four touchdowns. So can he get a 1,200-yard, eight-touchdown season? That would be a huge breakout for him. He had 91 catches, 1,276 yards, four touchdowns on 143 targets. You love everything except for the touchdowns, and here's the cool thing about it. 22 red zone targets, eighth most in the NFL. 11 targets inside the 10, five fifth most in the NFL. So maybe Thielen can improve that touchdown total, significantly improve it. What do you think about Adam Thielen and his breakout 2016 season? He's going to leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths by how he finished. Yeah, I completely last, last agree. Last four games and the two playoff games were not good. I know, and and it's almost like did he just really benefit from Diggs's midseason injury? Is Diggs really the better guy? I think something we need to look at. I know it was true in their first playoff game, and I didn't. I haven't seen any of the snap counts from yesterday. But towards the end of the year, he started playing more outside again, and they were playing him outside and Diggs outside. And I, I feel like he had a lot of his success in the slot. So early in the season, yeah. And, and he he had in the in the Saints game, he had Latimer on him. Yep. So that was the respect factor that he's earned. He's a he's a very good player, and I think he's gonna. I, I think he may get overdrafted a little bit next year unless he does what you're saying, Adam, which is improve his touchdown potential, which that would lead him to probably living up to his average draft position. 143 snaps in the two playoff games. Good old 1-4-3 for everybody out there. Aww. Hi, Sal. 105 of those snaps were on the outside. So, yeah, they, they kind of took him out of the slot quite a bit. 1-4-3-2, hmm. Dave. Two as in T-O-O, not, not mm-hmm. the number two. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, time for some emails. Fantasy football at CBSI.com. This is from, uh, no name. No name or city, guys. Please provide. Uh, it's Richard from Kansas City. Richard from Kansas City. 
Looking forward to my newly formed Keeper League, 12-team, half PPR. I get to keep one, and here are my options. Jordan Howard in the second round. Andrew Luck in the eighth. Ertz in the twelfth. Or Drake in the sixteenth. That's it. Down to two here, right? Ertz in the twelfth and Drake in the sixteenth. I think he only gets to keep one. Yeah, one. I would lean toward Ertz at this point. Because either way, it's just an incredible value between 12th round, 16th round. Either way, you're going to love it. Yeah. But Dolphins, if Miami doesn't do gonna, anything with their run game this offseason. The Dolphins are going to add a running back. I think so, too. But if they don't, then it's Drake. But even if they do, does that mean they're going to play that running back a lot? Does that mean he's going to really Who's the running away? back? I mean, is it like a Joe Schmo fifth-round pick, or is it going to be somebody good? If, I mean, let's just say there's something wrong with Barkley's off field, whatever. And I'm not saying there is, but Dalvin Cook situation where, you know, something seems to pop up on his past that scares teams off and the Dolphins at 11 say, you know what? We're not letting this pass like Laramie Tunsil. We're going to take Well, yeah, in. that's different. Yeah, of course. But what if they take a guy in like the third round? Then I'm not going to. Well, it worked out for too... them a few years later. Yeah, I'm not going to feel too threatened by a third rounder. Personally. I don't know. I mean, it, who are you as, drafting as, first if they do that? As Ertz of now, no. What'd you say? Ertz or Dr- Ertz? Yeah, if, if, Ertz. if, if the Dolphins add another player in the third round, you're still going to take Ertz ahead of Drake in a yeah. regular draft. Yep. So you'll keep him sooner here too. I'm trying to find, let me, let me, let's just as a fun little experiment. Here were the running backs taken in the third round. This guy didn't really do much. Alvin Kamara, Mara, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Alvin Kamara. Uh, he was good. And. Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. Yep. And Deontay Foreman. And that is Steelers took James Conner. Yeah. I, who knows what Hunt would have done if, if Ware didn't get hurt. But. He would have been awesome. Who knows how many carries it. See, that would have been interesting. How much work would he have gotten? Would've he would have taken over that job. Uh, probably. I mean, it's easy for me to say. Spencer Ware would have been a top five running back. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> Get out of here. Okay, but he wouldn't have been as good as Melvin Gordon. Last email from Richard Hong in California. Oh, right. look at this greeting. Dear Gilberto, Pacho, Miguel, and Chepe, if you don't watch Narcos, you are crazy. It is incredible. It is as good as it gets. Watch Narcos. 14-team Dynasty League standard scoring. Three receivers and a flex, so you can start four receivers, but it is standard scoring. This is a trade I've been talking with another owner about since the regular season ended. I would love to know which side of the trade you would each prefer. And your thoughts on how this trade looks in two or three years from now since we're in a dynasty league. I give up Todd Gurley. I get DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen. I already own Mike Evans and Devontae Adams, so if I execute this trade, I could start Evans, Adams, Hopkins, and Keenan Allen. And start four wide receivers each week. Uh, the thought of complete and utter domination over every other owner's wide receivers every week is a little intoxicating. Keep up the great work. As Belichick would say, no days off, no days off, no days off. All right, so he would give up Todd Gurley and get Hopkins and Keenan Allen in a keeper league, with which you can start. It's a three-receiver league, and you can start four. There's a flex as well, which can be a running back. What do you think? Well, and the most important thing is it's not just a keeper league. It sounds like it's a true dynasty league to where he, he said dynasty. Keep yeah, dynasty. these guys forever. Mm-hmm. And I, listen, I don't know personally in a dynasty league there's that much difference for me between Gurley and Hopkins. So if I could get Keenan Allen too, I'm absolutely doing that deal. And you have Keenan Allen's going to be 26. I'm just looking up now. 26 in April. Hopkins is 25 now. I don't know when he turns 26. Evans has got to be younger than that. And Adams is probably there as well. So you have those guys. Adams is 25. He'll be 26 in December of this year. So you have four receivers right around 25 years old. And you know what the lifespan is of running backs. As great as Todd Gurley is, and he seems to be the next great running back that we're going to talk about for the next several years. You're getting two stud receivers for him. The one question I just would like to ask Richard is what he has either at running back right now or what his draft status is going into the rookie draft. Because if he has the chance to maybe get somebody good Young, early, then I think it's a no-brainer to make that trade. Dave? I'm making the deal. I, I just want to give a reason not to. Just, just a devil's advocate. It's standard scoring. 
Four great wide receivers and standard scoring. I don't know that you want your flex to be a wide receiver. I mean, granted, you're going to have one of the better ones. Uh, like in PPR, this is not even a question. In half PPR, it's not even a question. But I just did, you know, we did the flex draft, Jamie. We did a three-receiver standard scoring league. And I had Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, and T.Y. Hilton. Uh, and it wasn't a flex league, so there, there were no other, no, 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 you could start, you could start a lot of, it was, <laughs> the, name the, of the it was, league is flex. It was called the flex league, but there was no flex, ironically. There were flexes, you played two flexes. I guess you kinda did, yeah. Well no, you, you not kind of did, you did. You played, you could have played five wide receivers right. if you wanted to. Yeah. Well it didn't work out for me. That's my point, cause my running yes, back sucked. But, but again, I, I think it comes down to what else he has. You also have to fact, factor in, this is not just looking at it from a one-year scenario. If he's just trying to win one year, you'd probably keep Todd Gurley because then you pair Gurley with those two receivers and you're fine. But you're talking about what's going to happen as he asks us two or three years from now. And two or three years from now, Hopkins is probably playing with a great quarterback. At least that would be the hope in, in Deshaun Watson and putting up great numbers. Keenan Allen's a little bit of a wild card just because I don't think Philip Rivers is in the NFL two or three years from now. But Todd Gurley may flame out. What? Or, I don't think it's going to happen, but but it's a, it's a running back that has out. the nature to get hurt. Huh? Let's say he doesn't flame out. Three years from now, you're looking at a running back. It's getting ready to be 27, 28 years old. He has 2,000 career touches, and he may start to turn into Marco Murray. In how many years? How, how old is he now? He said? will turn 24 this offseason. DeMarco Murray, he's 29. So I understand. I, you know, I he wasn't very know. good when he was 27, though. No, but it could be Larry Johnson. <laughs> It could be Aaron Foster. Yeah. All right. Look, I'm not opposed to it. I will bet on the longevity just... of wide receivers over running backs every time. Yeah. How much do you – well, I would make the trade as well. <laughs> but for the sake of the argument, how much do you care about longevity and not just I, – I want to win the next couple of years. I think Keenan Allen and DeAndre Hopkins score a lot more fantasy points than Todd Gurley next year. And and what That's... he potentially could do – again, I don't know the, the nature of his league or, or what he's sitting on. But what he could do then is maybe – Try and flip Keenan Allen and whatever his first round pick is to somebody early in the round, early in the first round, and maybe get Saquon Barkley. Plus, it's a fourteen team league, so I know the two for one. Oh, well, thing that's a good point. The one guy, mm-hmm. th- those four receivers in a fourteen team league. That's holy good. Holy yeah. cow, that's a good point. All right, yeah, let, let's like, just like see. I, I was, we we went over our rookie draft right a couple yeah. weeks ago, and some of the mess that it was. Like Dave had a great pick. I think it was seven or eight. You got Kareem Hunt. But nobody expected Kareem Hunt to do this, like we just talked about. You know, I mean, you may have thought he was going to be good at some point during his rookie season, but he took off a lot sooner. Somebody took John Ross in the first round. You yep. took Corey Davis third, right? O.J. Yep. Howard went before uh, Kareem Hunt. O.J. Howard went before Kareem Hunt. Um, now there was the the flip side of that. Alvin Kamara went in the second round. You know, so you're going to get some some beneficial picks in in a rookie draft that you don't see coming. Um, like I got Wayne Gallman late. And, and Kenny Galladay was the last pick, second to last pick of the sixth round. You know, so we'll see how those two guys materialize. But, um, in any event, if he can maybe try and get a young running back to pair with three of these guys at least, he's in a, in a great situation. Sure. And by the way, this past year, Allen and Hopkins outscored Gurley by 74 fantasy points in non-decibel scoring. Not too different in decimal scoring. And let's have standard? a- Standard? Yeah, the standard. 76. All right, let's have a uh, voicemail oh. to end the show. What? I'm sorry. I-, I didn't hear you say combine. Yeah, combine. Ready? Voicemail. Nope, I screwed up. Voicemail. Hey, guys. It's Jesse calling from Nakatomi Plaza. I've got a question for a keeper league. Uh, we can keep two. It's a uh, half-point scoring, 10-team league. I can keep Deshaun Watson, Goodwin, Mike Williams, or Foreman in the 14th round, or I can keep Russell Wilson in the 8th. Uh, reminder, keep two. Thanks for everything. Love you guys. Oh, we love you too, Jesse. Thank you very much. So he's got Deshaun Watson, Goodwin, Mike Williams, and Foreman in round 14 in a 10-team half PPR league. And he's got Russell Wilson in round eight. Keep two. What do you do when your two best keepers are quarterbacks in a 10-team league? You keep Watson eight rounds, six keep rounds Watson later? Keep Watson with his value. Yeah. How do you, you, you really throw Russell Wilson back? In a 10-team league, though, an eighth round isn't a huge value for him. I don't think. I think you could trade him for an extra pick. It might not be any better than a fifth-round pick, but you'd get a little something. Uh, forget that. Or Let's you just, just pick keep two. both. Keep both? I'm keeping both. What? It's 
And then Trey Who, holy crazy. Who, who are my other choices? Goodwin, Mike Williams, Deontay Foreman in round 14. I'll probably keep Goodwin. I can redraft all three of those guys. I, I think there's a chance we get to July and it looks like Goodwin is the number one for Garoppolo and Pierre Garcon's his possession receiver. Okay. No, they're going to sign somebody. You know what, Dave? I think keeping both isn't a bad idea because you get a good trade. You get It's just incredible value. Right. That's It's really the only reason why. Because I like Foreman long term, but who knows what you'll get with him. It's also not knowing if Deshaun Watson's ready for the start of the season. All right, fellas. Thank you very much. Good show. Thanks for the voicemails, everybody. We got more of them. On Thursday's show, 954-689-3199. I really hope I'm not giving out somebody else's extension at the office. That would be a pretty bad idea. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later in the week. See ya. Bye.